Good morning, witches. This is the Witch Daily Show, coming to you from New Orleans, with host Tanya Brown. Our episodes span about 20 minutes long to give you just a little pop of magic. So, tune in, take a deep breath, and enjoy. Good morning. It is June 9th, 2023. It is Friday. I am Tanya, and this is the Witch Daily Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Grow Your Own Optimist. So let's get your day going with a little magic. Our quote of the day is Living consciously is living with a core of healthy self esteem. You will face reality. You will not delude yourself by Bell Hooks. So, what are we drinking today? We are drinking Owen's Garden Gate, a lavender butterfly pea flower tea. I'm taking a sip. Mm. This tea has no caffeine. And this week we have been talking about blue flower. So we talked about blue flower in terms of the health benefits, the history, the culinary uses, which honestly, the culinary uses took me by shock. If you had asked me to guess if there were like culinary uses for butterfly pea flower, I would not have thought so. So super neat. Uh, But today we are talking about the magical property. So this comes to us from smudgemetaphysical.com. Let's see. Let's see, let's see. So they say butterfly pea flower tea is a beautiful magical tea. Its flowers have magical properties of transformation, serenity, love, and protection. It's high in antioxidants, which helps protect your body against cell damage, high blood pressure, and helps slow premature aging. So, yeah, it is absolutely magic. All right, moving into some headlines. Oh, I should probably mention that this is one of our live shows. So we are live streaming with our Patreon family. So you may hear me talk to them or answer questions. Uh, So be prepared for that. So moving into some headlines, this comes to us from vice.com, the terrifying true story of how the Blair Witch Project was made. So it's Friday. We tend to do like a little bit more fun things, fun headlines on Friday. It's much like not that anything's taken all that seriously around here, but it's definitely more of a fun day that we have. So I'm going to take a sip of my tea. And we're going to talk about the terrifying true story. Mm. So this comes to us from Vice. Vice actually did an interview with the makers of the Blair Witch as um, like the 20th anniversary was four years ago. So we're actually coming up on the 25th anniversary. 
So, made with a budget of only $60,000, the film premiered at Sundance in 1999, just hours after the midnight screening. The two young directors sold the film to Artisan Entertainment for $1.1 million. The movie was the most talked about horror movie of the season, but it took years to become a reality. Though Sanchez and Merrick first came up with the concept as film students at the University of Central Florida in 1991, they put their plans into action into 1996. I didn't know they went to UCF. That's really neat. A lot of my friends go to UCF because I'm from Florida. So, in one of the most intense filmmaking experiences imaginable, actors Heather Donahue, Joshua Leonard, and Michael C. Williams played fictionalized version of themselves heading out to the Maryland woods to film a documentary about the legend of the Blair Witch. Part of what made the Blair Witch Project so groundbreaking is that you never see the actual Blair Witch. I mean, this was like the first ever kind of mockumentary horror, I believe, or at least the first popular one. So, the filmmakers didn't use special effects to scare audiences. Instead, they had genuine reactions from a cast that didn't know what awaited them in the woods. The film managed to do so much with so little, and it also introduced one of the first viral marketing campaigns, gaining a following before it even hit theaters. Uh, I'm going to tell you, as someone who was very young when I saw Blair Witch, I think I was in middle school, um, it terrorized me i thought it was real like the marketing campaign was so good like a lot of us genuinely thought it was true like it was very good um yeah oof 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 yeah i mean it was really wild so i do know that what they would do is like they would kind of prep the actors a little bit and kind of send them on their way and they would give them some ideas of like where to take the conversations and stuff but the actors didn't know like what the filmmakers would be doing with them like at night so the filmmakers would go and like shake their tent and one of them would disappear or they would put out like weird those Blair Witch symbols um, and so the actors really didn't know what was going on. So a lot of that really is genuine, uh, like talking about like jury duty where, uh, the guy from jury duty has spoken about how after his experience, he became very paranoid and it really messed with his sense of reality. And again, like we have to, like in 1999, I can definitely see how this would be such a thing. Um, but in 2023, it feels like an ethical issue, but I still plan to watch it. So they're saying that people always ask if we were actually scared when the filmmakers mess with us in the middle of the night. The answer is not really, because what was happening behind the scenes was we were exhausted and hungry and often wet. We'd set up camp and crash, and just about the time we got warm enough in our damp sleeping bags to fall asleep, the guys would start playing a boombox with creepy children sounds outside the tent so a lot of what you're seeing on film is directly following a collective groan when we realized we had to pull our shoes back on and start acting again yeah i, I mean it's ooh, it, it really is one of my favorites i really really enjoy the blair witch i love all the fan theories um yeah big fan 
All right, witches. So we are throwing this over to our moon correspondent. And after this break, we will talk more. Hello to all of my astro friends. This is Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, coming at you with your daily moon mantra for Friday, June 9th. The waning gibbous moon moves from detached Aquarius to the dissolved boundaries of Pisces today. Here, the moon squares Mercury and conjuncts Saturn. We may be feeling like our thoughts are moving in slow motion today, and we're having a hard time getting things rolling. The conjunction to Saturn isn't helping, as Saturn prefers for us to take our time with things. With Saturn in Pisces, we'd be better served to let go of our expectations and allow things to flow in the way that they must. Saturn in Pisces will provide the structure, but we need to have faith rather than trying to direct how this will manifest. Do your best to relax into the flow of the day. Trust that it will take you where you need to go. Your daily moon mantra is, trust in what you know, have faith in where you go. If there's no wind, row or go with the flow. This has been your daily moon mantra with Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, signing off and reminding you that you are in charge of your own destiny. From the pages of Which Way Magazine comes a new collection of stories by longtime fiction contributor Olive Blake called Grow Your Own Optimist. Featuring a never-before-seen short story, Grow Your Own Optimist is often romantic, occasionally satirical, and always unexpected. These surprising tales of demons, devil's advocates, dystopia, and dating remind us that there is magic to be found in the dark places. Olive Blake is the New York Times best-selling author of The Atlas Six and several other books, including the Which Way anthology, The Answer You Are Looking For Is Yes, and the novella La Petite Mort. She lives in Los Angeles with her husband, Goblin Prince Toddler, and Rescue Pitbull. Find the new anthology series, Grow Your Own Optimist, by Olive Blake, wherever books are sold. All right, we are back. So I wanted to think of something fun to do today, and I was going to play the little occult encyclopedia game that I've been playing. However, it's very, very dark here right now. I changed around my living room, and I don't have enough light. So I cannot read anything right now. So we cannot play that game. However, I did just come back from uh, giving a ghost tour in the French Quarter to actually one of our listeners. So I do want to take this opportunity to thank two of our listeners, Carol and Brittany, for um, coming to New Orleans and allowing me to give them a tour. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, but I was inspired to talk about one of my favorite ghost stories, the story of, not ghost stories, vampire stories, the story of Jacques St. Germain, the infamous Louisiana vampire. So if vampires are your thing, we're about to have a good time. Uh, this comes to us from the pelicanstateofmind.com. So, flawless skin that never seems to age, eyes that pierce into your soul, never hungry, but always thirsty, powerfully charming yet peculiar. They draw you in with their fascinating stories and hypnotic voices, but you can't help but think something seems a little strange. You go anyway, down into the depths of their dark, eerie palace where their treasures lie. 
only to realize that you're but a pawn. Your muscles clench as chills run down your spine. Someone's thirsty. As they flash their crooked smile and you see teeth sharp as knives, you know you found yourself in the midst of a monster you've only read about in books. So vampires have long been fantasized in folklore and mythical tales. We talked about this in October and what we believe uh, vampires represent for the human psyche, and that is lust. So did you know the New Orleans Vampire Association formed in 2005, and it provides support to self-proclaimed vampires that reside in the city? Though the earliest of tales of vampires date back to Greek mythology, New Orleans is home of some of the most prominent vampire myths. Most prominent, the tale of the Comte de Saint-Germain, who many believe to be Jacques Saint-Germain, Louisiana's very own vampire. So I actually went to a lecture that was uh, put on by Docker Stoker, um, Brahm Stoker's great great grand nephew he is a uh, stoker historian and he says he uh knows that his great great uncle uh visited new orleans uh before he wrote dracula and he often questions if the lore here inspired the book so who has come to saint germain well In 1700s France, you receive an invitation to a dinner party filled with prestigious guests, and you show up to a lavish mansion, bursting with conversation, um, liveliness, music. A man walks in, almost gliding, as if floating on air. He speaks in a way you've never heard before. His eyes lock on you. He speaks of events hundreds of years prior with such detail you could swear he was there. The Comte de Saint-Germain mysteriously came onto the scene in France in the 1700s, although records suggest he may have been alive long before that, even during the time of Christ. French historian and philosopher Voltaire, King Louis XV, and Italian writer and adventurer Casanova all claim to know the Comte. Uh, Voltaire even said, He is a man who knows everything and who never dies. Official records show the Comte was born in 1710 and died in 1784, but many people claim to have seen him as recently as 1970. The Comte was a man with undeniable intelligence and wit. He captivated the elite with his knowledge and charm, yet he never seemed to age. He spoke six languages, possessed a brilliant artistry, played the violin effortlessly, and even grew diamonds. You heard that right. The Comte was a very accomplished alchemist. So alchemists worked uh, worked at turning basic metals into gold. They created beautiful jewels out of small stones, and alchemists also searched for the fabled elixir of life. The Comte's work in alchemy may explain his incredible wealth, and uh, it is believed he possibly held the philosopher's stone. The Comte trained in other alchemists, or trained with other alchemists, including one under Queen Marie Antoinette's rule. At the Queen's execution, the alchemist supposedly saw the Comte years after he had supposedly died. 
The Comte wrote a book discussing his work with alchemy and symbols, but to this day, some parts have yet to be decoded. So how did he get to Louisiana? Why is he a Louisiana vampire and not a French vampire? Well, the Comte traveled all over Europe, throwing magnificent parties. He, he mesmerized guests with marvelous stories. These same guests claimed that he never ate a bite of food. Eventually, the Comte found himself in Germany, where he lived in a castle for a while as a confidant to Prince Hesse. During this time, a strange record of his death appeared. A priest under the king's order wrote the death record, which states that the Comte died in 1784. Many people don't believe this to be true. Um, and I'm going off uh, this the website here, but there were stories, like historically documented stories of this man from like at least the 1300s to the 1600s. Uh, like his name is in documents that, that he was attending events. It was said, again, Voltaire, uh, Catherine the Great, Madame Pompadour. Uh, Madame Pompadour actually confronted him at a party and said, I know you. Um, I've, I met you 30 years ago. You have not aged. And he said, well, I am just the son of the Comte. And she said, no, no, no. I know the Comte and you are the Comte. So the Comte traveled all over Europe, like we said. Um, so again, how did he get to Louisiana? Many consider New Orleans to be the most haunted city in the United States, and with good reason. Perhaps one of the most infamous sinister figures claimed to roam the streets is Jacques, Jacques Saint-Germain. Some 200 years after the quote-unquote death of the Comte Saint-Germain, an immigrant from the south of France named Jacques arrived in New Orleans and moved into a dwelling off of Royal Street. Jacques' knowledge, charming wit, and seemingly ageless presence made him well-known. He spoke of events that happened hundreds of years in the past with great detail. He threw lavish parties with the finest food, entertainment, and most prestigious guests but never ate a bite of food. Sound familiar? No one questioned his seemingly immortality, but maybe they should have. Not long after he had taken up residence in New Orleans, things got creepy quickly. There's a tale told by many vampire enthusiasts in the Big Easy that one night Jacques invited a woman over to his house for a party. After a while, he asked her up to his balcony where he attempted to bite her neck. She freaked out and escaped. The story goes that the terrified woman had drops of blood trickling down her neck and people quickly surrounded her and called the police. When the police arrived to investigate, they found something that made their blood run cold. In Jacques' home, they found clothes from all different time periods stained in blood. There was absolutely no food or utensils in the house. And bottles of what appeared to be red wine were, uh, in fact, human blood. What they didn't find was Jacques Saint-Germain, who never returned. Legend has it that Jacques Saint-Germain was actually the Comte de Saint-Germain, who people still claim to spot around the world. The most recent sighting was in the 1970s. You can look it up. A man did a bunch of interviews claiming to be Jacques Saint-Germain. And honestly, there's pictures. I can kind of see it. I can kind of see it. Um, all right, witches. I know this is a witch podcast, but thank you for um, humoring me and allowing me to... 
um, talk about one of my favorite tales that I tell on my little tours to friends who come visit. And again, thank you to uh, Carol and uh, Brittany for letting me take them on a little a little show around town. I really appreciate it. All right, witches, we are wrapping up this episode of the Witch Daily Show. We are not doing a card pull today because I am in the absolute dark. I need more lamps in this room. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, but I do want to give some shout outs. Uh, Molly Higgins, Molly, you glowing perfect barn owl. Nicole, you avant-garde scrumptious dragon. Nessie, you sweet wicked banshee. And Nessa, you cutting sophisticated gazelle. Thank you for so much being Patreon supporters. I really, really appreciate it. And if you're ever interested in visiting New Orleans or you have a vacation planned and you want to get an in-person reading or you want to go on a tour, check out spirithousenola.com and you can book with me. So check it out. I'm super excited to finally like get to um, – because I've been meeting everybody very unformally for a while. People will visit. They'll message, like asking to be shown around. So I was like, you know what? Let me just lean into it. Let me um, actually get a license to do such a thing. Um, so yeah. All right, witches. That's all I've got for you today. Don't forget any books, decks, headlines, sources. Anything we reference today can be found in the podcast episode description or witchpod.com. And we will talk again tomorrow. Witches, we hope you have a wonderful day full of joy and gentleness and confidence. Links for this week's episodes, our website, Patreon, along with a free daily card pull can be found at witchpod.com. One stop for everything we talk about. Now, take one more deep breath and have a great day. <laughs>